Hey guys, welcome back to the Lord of the Rings and Things podcast. Today we are watching Two Towers Part 2. So thank you for joining along with us in this journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're all back. It's been a while, and um, but we're really happy to be here and happy that you found us. So let's get started. Let's do it. Roll that music. Great intro. It's been, what, a month? It's been a bit. I feel like there's always one month increments between everything. <laughs> True. I'll tell you what, I missed Middle Earth. Oh, too. it was so good to go back. I was yeah. so ready to see Faramir's face. I oh, know. <gasps> see our boys. Get those boys back on that screen. Get like, the men back on the yeah. screen. Yeah. And Liv Tyler just I crushes mean, it. Guys, 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 guys. I mean, and this part two does not disappoint. Like, this is literally one of the most epic parts of this franchise i mean helm's deep is just an iconic battle scene for so many reasons and we finally got to unpack that melissa were you overwhelmed by the action were you like it made me really sad i know (laughs) because i was like oh no i you uh, they built it up so well yeah Mm -hmm. to the point where it was like oh no something tragic is gonna happen (laughs) it's hard to watch it for me at least yeah yeah, it's very suspenseful. It, yeah. It's just this huge buildup. It's just one big, one big climax for and sure. Not a whole lot of relief. No, no. Things you can hold on to, little glimpses of hope, but not a lot of relief. Good point, Maya. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of tension. It's so great how they broke up. I mean, there's the theatrical versions of these movies, and then there's the extended edition. And I think both equally like are wrapped up really well. Like it's hard to cut the movie off halfway through. But I feel like with this one, they did a good job. It opens with um, all of the people of Rohan moving to Helm's Deep, which is the fortress that King Theoden has decided to send the people to. And so much of this movie is extended edition, and we have to mention that because we're learning so much about so many different characters. The very first scene, we learn that Eowyn is orphaned and that King Theoden has like raised her as her own, which is like such a nice context to her journey that really started in part one and will continue to Return of the King. Mm -hmm. Did you guys, how do you guys feel about Eowyn? Maya loves her. (laughs) (laughs) I do love her. What, What about her do you love? She's such a fun character. Well, first off, I just love how she, she's the character that I can identify with because she isn't the lead she's not as beautiful as Arwen but she's still so strong and so noble and honestly how Tolkien portrays her in the books is like this warrior and Mm -hmm. is so strong and so powerful and you almost want her to get with Aragorn but at the same time obviously Arwen is better suited for him Mm -hmm. but you still root for her in your heart you know Mm -hmm. so I have a lot to say about her but I think she's a beautiful character and um I love how sacrificial she is yeah it's fun to see another woman in the series too Mm -hmm. and then she's so badass (laughs) I know yeah every time she comes on screen Maya's like oh my god (laughs) did you like kind of revere her growing up too or has it been different as an adult I think that growing up, I wanted her to, I was always rooting for her, like, 
you can do it, you can snag the guy, but it never happened, and, and not to be too personal here, but I've had those moments in my life where I'm like, you can do it, you can snag the guy, and it never happened, mm-hmm. so eventually the story does end in a happy place, but it takes a lot for her to get there, and there's a lot of heartbreak and a lot of beautiful sacrifice that she fights for, and without getting to the end, um, all I can say is that I really just empathize with her. I identify with her. It's fun to see somebody on a screen that you, like, relate to that much. Yeah. You root for her a lot. Yeah. I didn't really like her growing up, to be honest, because I was just so obsessed with Arwen. I mean, like, I was a horse freak, and so the fact that Arwen had, like, this telepathic connection with horses was just so... Arwen is so cool. So you cannot compete with her. Yeah. Like, and it's inevitable that, like, her and Aragorn should be together. Right. So it's like any other woman who comes in the picture, you're kind of like, I love yeah. you, I hate you. Yeah. But I almost don't even interpret Eowyn and Aragorn as, like, this love thing because it's like you can just tell she just feels so innocent and harmless. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really interpret it as, like, I don't know, she definitely has the hots for him, and he definitely turns her down, but <laughs> she but gets But in a graceful up. way, yeah. I enjoy those moments together where they're on screen. She knows he's in love with somebody else. He asks her about it, which brings us to these flashback scenes that Aragorn has with Arwen um, back before this all started um, that really unpacks her Im- immortality, his mortality, and it's a really, like, gut-wrenching like love story that they have Melissa did you what were your thoughts on that I think it's like it's hard because like you're rooting for them to be together but at the same time it's like you know that no matter what he's gonna die eventually Mm -hmm. and she most likely will not and so (laughs) you're you want them to be together, and it's like it's so worth it. You, at least I think it's so worth it for them to at least have that happiness for a while, yeah. as long as they possibly can. Um, but then, like she's going to, she's going to be really sad. Mm-hmm. Like once that day comes that he dies and she's still there and she's mourning mm-hmm. the loss. But I mean, in my opinion, I think that if that were to happen, she'd be mourning, yes, but she would be so, so glad that she did it. Mm-hmm. because you just can't um, beat that true love, you know, mm-hmm. wow. or being with the one that you love. Like, you, I don't think that you would regret it. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, saying that to him, but he says, like, I have to go. Like, this was all a dream. Like, this is too good to be true. I, I have to leave. He's trying to protect her in mm-hmm. a way. And maybe even from himself, like, maybe he doesn't want her to grieve over Oh, 100%. Like, he doesn't want her to be in pain. And, yeah. Um, yeah, he knows that he, he kind of holds her heart mm-hmm. in a way and that he has the power, in a sense, to, like, convince her. Like, he's the only one that could possibly, like, convince her. Mm-hmm. One thing I really appreciate about these movies is that with every character in every new movie, you learn something different about each important character. Like, even Aragorn, you're continuing to learn something new about him all the time. And in the beginning of this movie, they introduce how he is um, Dunedain, which is a dying race, essentially. And this is something we don't know about him before, but where he's half-elf, half-man. And so he lives a long time, and we learn that he's 87. And it's a funny (laughs) scene when Eowyn is 
trying to guess his age and I don't know I just and then it got me thinking about how Peter Jackson did a really good job with each character you're learning something new even in this movie we learned something new about Boromir and he died in the last one Mm -hmm. so I appreciate that do you guys have any thoughts that correlate yeah I love that I I and again like I'm I don't envy Peter Jackson and like the whole directing team having to sit down and decide like what scenes were going to make the theatrical cut because like there was so much good content, and unfortunately, that scene that Jenny's talking about is, like, cut from the theatrical version, um, where you do learn that this guy's 87, and he's, like, lived so much life, and he's fought in so many battles to, like, protect mankind. So, yeah, it gives it gives his character so much, like, context mm-hmm. to who he is. So, I, yeah, I love that, Jenny. Well, all, all things seem to be going well, and then they get attacked. <laughs> It's never too happy. Like, you, so literally something terrible happens. And what are those dogs called? Maya, you called them something. Wargs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They're actually a, their own race of their themselves. Dwarves, elves, man, hobbits, wargs. And they, in the books, got wrangled up into the battles by Saruman. And it's... Yeah. It's really sad to see that, but they are pretty evil. If you've yeah. read The Hobbit, you know how true. evil they are. So right. that's true. Naturally. I forgot. They're, the, their animation is so different in The Hobbit, though. Good From point. the Lord of the Rings that it's like, wait, those are the same things. Oh, but we, we should not mention, talk about The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah those just, movies are sad. I also see Saruman preparing his army. thought it was interesting. They're getting attacked by the wargs and some of the orcs on their way to Helm's Deep when we also flash back and see Saruman preparing his army of, what, 10,000 or something? 10,000. Crazy. And if anyone can remember that scene, Saruman is standing at the top of his tower and he's looking out over all his his army. And we actually learned something really fun in the appendices, appendices, which are the the behind-the-scenes for these movies, that Peter Jackson... In order to get the sound features for that scene, when Saruman is rallying up his army, Peter Jackson went to a New Zealand rugby game and, like, during halftime, went out on the grass mm-hmm. on this rugby field, barefoot, of course, because he went everywhere barefoot. And he basically know that. rallied up this huge rugby New Zealand audience and was like, okay, I want you to try to make a sound like... Or he asked they them to make... chants up on the yep. big screen, and they would all chant. In orc language, yeah, and orc-hai. they had... Um, yeah, orc mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. and it, it's such funny footage, because it's Peter Jackson standing in the middle of the field talking to this whole rugby stadium. Okay, now if you could sound like <laughs> this, and if you could pat your feet, and if you could yeah. hit the, your seats, and it's such a funny tidbit, and they use that audio to make the army sounds which is so interesting that's amazing yeah yeah it's so funny because they were talking like some of the audio wasn't even salvageable because the audience was just so rowdy and like they're drinking drinking just a bunch of like college guys having a good time the effort and the lengths that they went to involve the new zealand culture in these movies is like really astounding like even something like that you know it's just really really cool but same time we also switch back to Mary and Pippin who are still with the Ent. The Ent is trying to decide if um, he wants to rally, you know, the other Ents to try to fight against Saruman and go to Isengard. And Mary and Pippin are like rightfully really upset and trying to encourage them. And it's it's there's some comedy to those scenes, but there's also like some real heart and like real yeah intensity that comes a little bit later, but 
those are really, really important scenes. To what I find amazing about the moments with the end is I really think those are the relief scenes because there's so much buildup, so much tension in all other moments and aspects of the film that when Mary and Pippin are speaking to the Ents, there's always hope. And I get the feeling of home. Mm -hmm. It's the only glimpse of the Shire for some reason. I don't know why in the forest you would get that sense of home so much. I don't know. What do you guys think? Why would the forest be that way? I also think (laughs) a part of it is the redeeming qualities that come from Mary and Pippin in these scenes where it's like they're coming to the reality of the situation as well. And for them, it's super serious. And this is kind of the first time it becomes serious for them. And so it's like this cause of I want to fight for my home when they've always just been happy-go-lucky mm-hmm. the whole time. And it's I think it's really redeeming, especially Mary's character, who's mm-hmm. just like, we need to fight. And he's trying to get them on mm-hmm. board. And that scene where he tells Pippin, like, the Shire's not going to even be there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what oh, I mean? That breaks my heart. But you're totally right as far as... I got those scenes are kind of a breath of fresh air because it's like they're a little bit slower, there's a little bit more dialogue, there's not as much action, they're mm-hmm. in the woods. It's refreshing. And there's mm-hmm. a moment when Mary calls them out mm-hmm. and says, Fight, and you think it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. You have so much hope on it. Yeah, that's Maybe true. They'll fight. And just in general, I feel like everything has been moving super fast in all of the other scenes, like the war, everyone's fighting really fast. It's you yeah. have to make decisions really quickly, like because things are moving, mm-hmm. and you can't um, stop them from coming, and you feel trapped in a way. But they're in like an open forest, like these mm-hmm. people, like um, I mean, you know, the Mary and Pippin, and the ends, like the ends are definitely not in a hurry, and I feel <laughs> like, and they're like, don't be hasty. <laughs> I feel like. In a way, it's such a good comedic contrast with the other scenes. Mm-hmm. And I think in a way, that's also what gives it a fresh uh, breath of fresh air because it's just ironic. Yeah. Ironic totally. humor in a way. And that's a hard situation to like wrap your head around because it's easy to just like distance yourself between war and battle. It's like, well, if it's not affecting me, then it's not there. But these nine are really really responsible for lighting the beacons and in the next movie that actually happens but really trying to like warn the world and say like this is happening this is coming for you and yeah Melissa that's just such a good point great point and just think it's fine there's nothing to be hurt you know there's no rush and Mary is especially Mary is like we've got a goal like we have to put an end to this it's It's, hard it's just that moment when that feeling of I just want to go back home and I yeah. want to be in bed and not have to worry that this somebody else will take care of mm-hmm. this. But the world is already changed, and mm-hmm. whether you see it or not. Yeah. So even if you go back home, like it's not going to be normal. Mm-hmm. And they it's realize like our that. world now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When they climbed oh. to the top of the end and they could look over the trees and see. The army. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. That might be extended edition. I don't know. But I think it is. They can so see much the army marching off to Helm's Deep, and Mary and Pippin are like, "Oh frick, this is happening." Yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate. This. I've heard it. Um, some people say that they just skip over those scenes because they're boring and they're slow, and the ends aren't oh. fun. But I so appreciate it because it brings a whole new element to the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're and really, without the ends. 
everything would go to crap anyway. Whether or not Tolkien would have included those scenes the way they portrayed it, I think Peter Jackson wanted to say something to the world through those scenes, those mm-hmm. moments of relief in the buildup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that really is like what true bravery is about. It's about being willing to sacrifice comfort for a world that like is going to threaten that eventually, but it hasn't yet. Like it's getting ahead of the problem. That's what bravery is. It's like putting yourself in harm's way before it harms, you know, the people that aren't going ahead of you. And it happens with really unlikely people. Sam, Frodo, Mary, and Pippin, these guys are hobbits. Like the most exciting thing they do is get drunk at their pub in the Shire, but here they are on this epic quest and it's so special because they're just as brave as Aragorn who's 87 and has lived through so much pain and war and like turmoil, but they're equally as brave because they're fighting for the same Middle Earth and Mm. it's really special. Um, But again, cutting back to that scene um, with the wargs, um, Aragorn like falls off his cliff Oh, it's so devastating. Yeah. Melissa, did you think he was going to die? No. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind, Melissa is the only one who hasn't seen these movies before. So, Why would they kill one of the best... (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Why why would they kill one of the best characters in the movie? Like, I I think that's how they get you. That would be a very not smart poor move thing to do (laughs) Viggo Mortensen who plays Aragorn ended up having such a strong connection with this horse and bond and commitment to this horse that after the movies were over he's like I have to buy this horse and so he bought it so he could have it with them you know afterwards and um I grew up riding horses and Jenny's grown up around horses her whole life and it's just horses are I mean there's nothing like that there's nothing like that unique bond and Like, Aragorn has that with this horse, but so does Vigo. Like, Vigo loves this horse. And there was another horse trainer um, who was training Shadowfax, and she fell in love with this horse and, like, became best friends with it, trained it, you know, did all of the crazy stunts with this horse that Gandalf needed to do. And um, by the time the movie's wrapped, she really wanted to buy it, but didn't have the money, wasn't able to afford it, and Vigo Mortensen bought the horse for her. Because he just wanted he her to have that the connection. Yeah. It's so cool. Viggo Mortensen is such a cool guy. Legend. Finally, we cut back to Sam and Frodo. Sorry, spoiler alert. They learn that they win that battle with the Brags or whatever. What are they Wargs. called? <laughs> the Brags. <laughs> yeah, but they think that Aragorn is dead. They definitely think that so Aragorn is dead. They win it, dead. but they're crushed. Sad. <laughs> totally. Um, but Sam and Frodo, we get to unpack this plot. They're taken by Frodo. Faramir. There's a lot less Sam and Frodo in this so movie. Much less. Or in this this second half. Yeah. So much less. The, I mean the minute wise, they're just But they even added that. Yeah. Like Minas Tirith wasn't even supposed to happen. Um we see that Faramir has taken them and is inquiring about the ring and we learn so much about Faramir and Boromir. Jenny has been so excited to to get to see Faramir again. So do you wanna unpack some of his Character development, like sure. Well, first, what do you guys think of Faramir? Oh, he's a new character. It's a new, fresh face. What is he as cute as you thought he'd be? 
No. <laughs> I'm um, hurt. I'm I, maybe he's just not my type. I don't know. I think, okay. <laughs> Nick Jen, will be Jenny glad to speaking hear that. here, Faramir is a really special character to me because he comes later on. And it's like the story has already built up the, the natural heroes, the people you're going to want to root for. And then this guy comes randomly in the middle of the trilogy and it's like... You get a ton of backstory with Faramir in the extended editions, how he was kind of the unloved younger son, and now he's trying to... His brother is dead, Bormir, and now he's trying to step up and do the right thing because his dad has never accepted him. And there's just so much to, like, feel sorry for. Mm -hmm. Yet he's this really, really amazing guy. And I I think there are many moments in this... I don't know if we want to get here yet where he just shows his true character and how he actually wants to do the right thing. And I'm reading a book right now about the backstory of Tolkien and his time in wow. World War One, and because he served in World War One, which is what stemmed a lot of um, inspiration for these stories. And he talks about how a lot of men he fought with in World War One were Faramir types. It's just wow. like they didn't want to fight, but they knew it was the right thing to do in order to uphold their honor and to fight for their country and their homeland. And that's exactly who. Faramir is. There's these moments with tears in his eyes where mm-hmm. you can see the like the, yeah, the anguish. Yeah. And so I just think it's so fun to have a new character that's kind of so totally underrated in the whole series, but yet when you look a little bit deeper it's like okay, he's super relatable. Well, yeah, he he's the kind of guy that you think is less cute than Boromir, but then once you get to know him, you might think he's really beautiful. So it depends on the person. But I, when I was younger, I liked Boromir better. And now that I'm older, I'm starting to really love Faramir. With the character, yeah. Well, with the extended edition scenes in this movie, you learn also more context to Boromir. And you learn that he, too, is, like, right in the heart. Like, he was easily seduced by the ring, but, like, he wanted to do what was best for his country and for, you know, yeah. he, he's a little bit m- maybe more bloodthirsty than Faramir. Something I had never noticed before until watching it this time around was in an extended edition scene mm-hmm. where Faramir and Boromir are talking to their dad about how Boromir needs to go to Rivendell in order to, yeah, to obtain the, the one ring and capture oh. it and bring it back to Gondor. And Boromir is like, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my people. That it, I, I don't want to do that. And Faramir is said, if there's need to go to Rivendell, I will go. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Faramir could have been part of the Fellowship, which is a crazy thought to think about. Mm -hmm. And maybe he wouldn't have died. I know, because he probably wouldn't have... I don't know. I don't know. That's getting a little too far, but... Mentally for me, but... I don't know. It's just a crazy thought that Faramir could have been part of the Fellowship. He was Mm -hmm. willing to go, and yet he doesn't seem to... I don't know, have this possession over the ring the way Mm -hmm. his brother does, which is so amazing. But he does see the ring, and he says the ring must go to Gondor. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's him saying, like, oh, this is, like, what my father wanted. And Boromir is now dead. I can take over that mission. I can take over that And then And then a soldier says, when when Boromir decides, Faramir decides to send Frodo off, the soldier says that you will forfeit your life yeah. according to the laws of Gondor. Mm-hmm. He says, then my life is forfeit. Mm-hmm. It's a good scene after Sam basically yells at him and says, don't you know why your brother died? It's because yeah. of the ring and you're going to do the exact same thing. Sorry, get us back on track, Erica. <laughs> well, we cut back to um, Helm's Deep and they're basically preparing for 
this battle where they're expected to lose. And, I mean, we have to stop here and really talk about King Theoden because he is extremely stubborn. He's extremely prideful. Aragorn is insistent that they ask for help. Like, send for Gondor. Somebody has to come and help us. And King Theoden is kind of like, we can handle it. Like, we're... Rohirian, like we can, we can take it and refuses help. And we really just see like this different kind of corruption in man that is outside of the ring. I mean, this guy hasn't been in the same room as the ring, but he mm. somehow possesses this sort of pride, pride that mm. um, most of the characters don't really have Whoa. unless the ring is there. And yeah. it's not like King Theoden's a douche it's like he's just trying to protect his country but he's really struggling with how to do that i mean he was just demonically possessed by saruman like i'd feel a little like hesitant to like (laughs) let my guard down again you know um but this is a really sad scene i mean it's basically all of these young children going to battle it's these old men going to battle and that's so much of the tension that we talked about in the very beginning that adds to this movie is like, they're going to die. And there's this really iconic scene between Aragorn and Legolas where they're talking in Elvish or they're talking in Elven. What, what is that word? What am I saying? They're talking in Elvish. Yeah. Yeah. We'll roll with it. They're talking in Elvish and, um, Legolas is like, they're all going to die. And Aragorn breaks out of it and he says well then I'm gonna die as one of them and it's just like this pin drop moment between everybody and I just want to hear you guys' thoughts on this scene like that scene's interesting for me because just moments before Aragorn and Legolas were reconnected because Aragorn shows up to Helm's Deep he's not dead he's not dead everyone is so happy he's there Mm -hmm. and he kind of comes in as like okay well I saw the army rolling in so we gotta get prepared for battle yeah and I think it's so it's like almost one of those the only weak moment we ever see of Legolas throughout the whole series mm-hmm. of him being like this is just not going to go well. Yeah. These people are scared. We're going to die. And it's I don't know, it's cool to see that brotherhood between them because they grew up together. That's their backstory. They're best friends. I mean, Legolas thought he just lost Aragorn and now mm-hmm. they're going into another situation where they probably lose each other. And it's kind of fun to watch them snap. What do you guys think of the orchestration? Because that was that's a standout in this scene. Orchestration, the music. Oh yeah, it's so many themes. It brings out <laughs> literally every single, like it just helps the dialogue just really like sting. Hmm. Even that scene with Theoden and Aragorn, where he's like, "Where was Gondor when the West Wing fell? Where was Gondor when? Where was Gondor?" And and you know orchestration's what? Orchestration's intense. Gondor is failing because. Mm-hmm. The, the Stuart has failed the rest of the world. He's a selfish, self-ambitious, mm, wannabe... Oh, he's so ugly. He's the worst. He is. He's a wannabe king, and he doesn't help Rohan. He's full of himself. He believes in his prized son and not Faramir. And the de- by definition, it makes sense why Rohan is suffering, because those around them, that, sh- that, that the bond that should be together against Mm -hmm. Sauron is broken because of evil and corruption beyond just Sauron. Mm -hmm. That it's not just evil versus good. There's more evil than just that. Mm -hmm. Plot is building currently that 
Gondor is not a great city. There's failures mm-hmm. that they have. Mm-hmm. And we really feel it. Yeah. yeah. And it keeps touching back to Aragorn on that over and over again throughout the whole trilogy. It's like, yeah. the rightful heir needs to get back there. But um, going back to Legolas and Aragorn, I wrote down in my notes that they do have a very another redeeming scene just moments after they fight where Legolas asks for forgiveness. Yeah. Right before they fight and right before the elves come in. And that's a really good scene mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, Melissa, were you like breath of fresh air when you see that there are elves coming to the rescue? I mean, that was looking pretty crusty for a while, that battle. I was honestly surprised that they were there mm-hmm. because I thought that um, they they didn't want to fight in the first place. Yeah. So it was surprising and a pleasant surprise, though, um, that they showed up because otherwise... Where's the hope in the soldiers that they had? Just 300 people. Yeah. I feel like it gives it more... Knowing that they're... Even though they're immortal, but they're literally risking their lives. Mm -hmm. um, Because they could choose to stay immortal or they could um, choose to fight in the war. Mm. And they... How does that work? How does... So all the elves, the time of the elves are technically, Maya, correct me if I'm wrong, but the time of the elves are like, it's ending. They're about to get on sailboats and sail to basically the heaven on Middle Earth. And the it white sounds, shores. It sounds weird, but like the time of the elves, they've been there for thousands of years. It's kind of, it's their revelation moment where they're passing on and they're going to live forever in heaven, essentially. So that's why it's so hard for Arwen with Aragorn because she's supposed to leave and go to this heaven-like world where she wants to stay back. Um, And so it's really a big deal that all these elves come to the rescue to fight before they're supposed to get shipped off to heaven, essentially, Mm -hmm. because it's like they could just have eternal life at at the snap of their fingers, but instead they decide to go help the men because they know they're leaving the men in a really tricky situation. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that that's what I was trying to explain, but you did oh. it way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, I yeah. I wanted you to because yeah. I don't know. I yeah. was like, I, how do, they're immortal, but they're not. I seriously get goosebumps every single time they come because that musical theme is really also really epic. this part part two so that's refreshing and it just brings like this hope it's like this uplifting like he says it'll be an honor to fight alongside men once more it's really really epic i was just gonna say it makes me want to know the backstory of haldir and aragorn a little bit more because they have such a moment when he shows up no it's like what's up bro it's been a while yeah it's like thank you for being here um but also i think it's important and noteworthy to talk about how this battle is done cinematically as well have to talk we about learned it. i mean they shot this for like four months every single night didn't mm-hmm. they something like that buildings off the buildings like that was real yeah. yeah landing on big like mats and stuff mm-hmm. but i remember specifically all these stuntmen had to learn to fall a certain way otherwise they could literally like, like break their neck themselves yeah so there's they had to fall off these buildings a certain way and they actually made 
they made like a Helm's Deep. Mm-hmm. There's a model there that they were all fighting on. So what? it's super interesting and um, getting in. They made a reference to like obviously we're not serving in a real war, but if real war, if we could have anything close to real war, this is what it would feel like. Because every night for like four months they were filming mm-hmm. these scenes and it's cold and it's wet and they're miserable. They all made shirts that said we survived Helm's Deep yeah. because of just like how intense it was to film these scenes. Okay, so me. at this point Helm's Deep is happening. It's happening. They blow a hole in the wall and the one little what little gutter at the bottom. What do you call that? Um, Like the drainage thing? The, yeah they blow the orcs <laughs> blow a hole in the wall where the yeah. Drain comes out. You know what I wrote down? I never noticed they go back into that back room with the cave and the women. There's literally only like 12 guys in there. Like wow. no one survived that battle except for literally Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, wow. Theoden. There's literally only like 12 guys because they're like, let's ride out. And then you see them ride out and there's only a few. It's like literally just a handful. I got wiped. Which was something I thought was crazy. And that means a lot of those little boys and mm-hmm. men oh. and everything died. Yeah. And the elves, too. Elves. There weren't any elves in that. wiped out. Yeah. Totally wiped out. I mean, they it was 300 to 10,000 without the elves. and I mean, there were elves, but like, there wasn't a lot. It's true. <laughs> like, at, least, it, at least it saved them from total Totally, failure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. still pretty Yeah. Bad. Yeah, there is just the coolest scene. Um, they're in the banquet hall of Helm's Deep, and King Theoden is basically like, this is over, we've been defeated, and Aragorn's like, nope, let's ride out. Like, we're just gonna go. And I'm just like, did Aragorn remember that? I mean, he obviously remembers that Gandalf's going to come at the third, the fifth, light of the third di- day. Fifth day, yeah. Light of, the breaking light of the fifth day. But Aragorn is literally such a hero, like, to just be like, let's ride out. Like, it's five of us guys, but we're gonna get out there and finish what we started, you know? Mm-hmm. Melissa, I want to hear more of your thoughts. On which part? All of it. I mean, and like... When Gandalf comes. Mm-hmm. There's just so much chaos going on in the whole battle that yeah. it's... There's a bunch of mini little section, like, stories going on yeah. and different things that they have to be watching out for. And, like, you, there's a lot of distractions over here, but what you really need to watch for is those people that are trying to bring in a bomb. Um, <laughs> and so I... <laughs> I think that they really did the best that they could, but they weren't set up well and they didn't have the right uh, army or tools to be able to defend themselves really effectively. Mm-hmm. And so all those women and children, like they're trapped down there mm-hmm. and these men are trapped in their fortress and it's being invaded and there's ladders and there's I know bombs and there's... <sighs> scary it's It's a scary time they were bred with one purpose is to wipe out the race of man that's like literally their job and what what we were talking about while we were watching it is that even the orcs orcs yeah yeah orcs Mm -hmm. they they didn't care about each other either dude it's just murder out (laughs) they're They're animals they're charging at the door and they're like killing the each other each other in the meantime like they they could care less it's just a bloodbath Mm -hmm. and like they're just Aiming to kill as many people as they possibly can. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Gandalf couldn't have gotten there a day earlier. Yeah. There's really, like, no honor to that kind of killing. When it's just killing to just kill. If you're bred to just annihilate people. 
But there's honor in the race of man, and there's honor in the race of elves and dwarves in their killing, because it's killing for the sake of, like, protection and sacrifice, like... Side note, the chanting reminded me of the haka. Funny you brought that up, because there was one night filming where it was really hard, and the conditions just sucked, and um, all the extras are New Zealand men, so, I mean, Maori is their native language and whatever um and so they ended up doing the haka or whatever what is it called mm-hmm. I don't the know haka. called the yeah, haka, haka. when Zealand. they chant when they're like about to get ready I'm for the sure football game the is it okay yeah well then all the extras ended up doing that and aragorn talks about how he was standing up on top of helm's deep and he's looking out at all the extras doing their native new zealand haka and he was so moved by that because it was like these guys really did kind of feel like they were in battle because the conditions and the filming, it was, like, pretty tough on them. And the extras, you know, and the stuntmen were required to do so much physically that it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. So it was a really fun scene. And Peter Jackson was like, it was amazing to watch that. Couldn't use any of the footage because <laughs> it would be a little misplaced. But Has anyone ever seen a haka before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I'd remember... It's so yeah. It's intense. When did you? What was the context that you guys saw one? I'm so curious. I I just looked up a video. Wow. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And, yeah. But I remember hearing a different podcast of an interview with the guy that plays uh, Aquaman. Oh oh, oh yes, uh, is Jason he Momoa. He, yeah, he's I don't remember. I Polynesian, isn't he? Oh, he. Really? I think he's mm-hmm. like from from an island culture. Yeah, I'm all pretty sure he's similar. from New Zealand. I think. Or I don't know because he he knew the haka like yeah. he that was a part of his culture. Wow! And so he was talking about how in this audition room he walked in, and they wanted him to play this like really intense soldier mm. role or like some sort of battle. Yeah. And I mean his character was not from New Zealand, and he didn't like it wouldn't be like his character necessarily like, the culture of his character. Mm-hmm. But he walked in the room and he said, "Hey, I think this is similar." Like, can I, um, can I show you something? And usually it's a very, like, sacred it, chant. Yeah. Like, that, wow. it gets you, like, riled up. And, mm. like, it really gets your blood pumping. And, like, it, it puts you, it's, he said it was, like, a transcend, transcending, mm-hmm. um, like, just, you, it, it really puts you in the mindset of, like, war and, like, just, mm. yeah, anger and rage and, like, but also honor and, like, for right. your country and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he was saying he did that in front of them, and it was, like, one of the most intense moments he's ever had. But, yeah, so that's... No, totally. That is, I, I really appreciate that part of island culture. And mm-hmm. Finally, Gandalf comes with Aomer. He finally finds him. We love Aomer. And they come down this insanely steep hill, and they slaughter everybody, and then the ones who don't die get away into the forest, and the trees take care of them. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Maya, do you want to kind of talk about Sam and Frodo's epic scene and monologue? Mm-hmm. And that, Ending. Uh, what is that town that they're in at that point? Minas Tirith. Oh, it is Minas Tirith. Mm-hmm. They're in Minas Tirith. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. Yeah. I know um, that this moment is powerful for Maya, so... Well, I remember just when I was younger remembering how the moment Sam said, how could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? And I think that sometimes in our time right now we feel that way without 
going too much into where we are in 2020. Um, but Sam does say when the sun shines, it will shine out the clear. Those were the stories that stayed with you that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. So I just think watching a, a movie like this really moved me tonight because I think sometimes I can find myself in a dark place and, um, there's hope out there and the sun will shine all the clearer because you went through that dark moment. So that's really what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about how that scene is like wrapping up this movie? Well, any of your thoughts? The whole movie, as we've said at the beginning of this podcast, is a build-up to a really tough battle. And Sam takes the moment to call out from Frodo what is truly why you're still here. That you're about to give up. You're about to call it quits. But but this is when you have to keep going and you cannot quit. You can't stop. So that scene just seems to be a moment that changed. The whole story of Two Towers is pretty intense, and that movie was different. That scene mm-hmm. was different. So It's a sign of a really good actor when you can take something that could come across as cheesy mm-hmm. in some ways and like just make it so real and heartfelt. Um, and when you truly believe it in the moment, and he, I, I truly believe that he did, um, and you say it and you it comes from such a deep place maybe Mm -hmm. from like his personal life or whatever I think that it really showed um just so much humanity and so much um beauty in the way that he delivered that Mm -hmm. absolutely and I thought it was interesting Peter Jackson commented a lot about how again this scene isn't in the books but they needed something to kind of make the second movie of the trilogy exciting and wrap it up in a way that would make the viewers want to come back for the third um, installment of the series. And so I thought that that was interesting from a cinematic creativity standpoint because mm-hmm. it was like, oh yeah, this is the middle movie of three movies and how does how are you going to make this feel important or as important as the first and the last. Mm -hmm. So I thought they did a really good job. And I know that they got some complaints from fans, but overall it was pretty well received, that scene. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that if they just ended it on everybody dies and there's only a couple left, like then it's like I'd end the movie and I'd be like, I I don't think I can handle the rest of this. Like Mm -hmm. it's just too much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sad and I I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Um, But I think that the... The fact that they ended it on such a hopeful, like, reality is, like, this is hard and this is, like, happening and mm. this is, the world's never going to be the same, but there's still hope. Yeah. It's true. And I we see that hope directly with Faramir letting them go, mm-hmm. especially in that scene as well. Or He's right so after moved. that. Yeah. I think, from my understanding, he overheard everything that Sam had said and was so moved. Um, just to sum up Sam and, or, sorry, Miriam Pippin's story... The Ents agree to helping when they see that Saruman has chopped down, like, half of the forest. And it's really touching. He's so shocked and so grieved by the fact that so many of his friends have been taken. And he's just outraged. And so they all band together and basically rip Isengard apart. Mm -hmm. Rip Isengard apart. 
And then they get yeah. high. <laughs> and then soon, oh, dude, freaking, that was extended edition <laughs> scenes. I'm gutted they're not in the theatrical. But all in all, in all three plots, there's ends on hope, except the very, very last scene in this movie is Gollum oh. talking about. <laughs> it's really like. It's, om- it's ominous. Om- yeah. Ominous. Ominous. It's that, is that the last scene? The very last scene. Oh, it's horrible because it you see Gollum and Smeagol fighting, and it's just so depressing because I think Smeagol is lost at the end of that, and Gollum finally takes over, and I mm-hmm. think it's Gollum this, from here on out. I think you're right. And I caught that for the first time this time. I think mm. you're spot on. I think we saw Smeagol. Smeagol left, and Smeagol turned, too, because in that conversation, Gollum finally convinced Smeagol, it's like, we gotta kill him. We gotta yeah. kill him and get the ring, and Smeagol's like, we can lead him to this, mm-hmm. and all that, so. That was a big it's thing creepy. for me to notice this time mm-hmm. around. Well, this whole time, we have had a guest speaker sitting with us. Yeah. Should we take a mention for Alex? <laughs> Maybe a little comment or two on... Uh, we had one of Melissa's childhood friends sit and join this movie. Just so you know, she had never seen any of The Lord of the Rings, and she watched part two of the middle of these movies. So. Yeah, I don't really we, know my, what uh, to say. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what were your first impressions? I liked it. So you want to see more? Uh, yeah, I need to go start from the beginning. You do. You really so do. So that way I can catch up to you guys by the, by the next movie. Mm-hmm. Well, how should we end with a bang? Oh. <laughs> well, this is a heavy movie, so we might as well end it on a light note. It's Christmas time. Yeah, it's uh, Christmas time. La, 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 la. We definitely don't need to sing. I'm just saying. I, I think I want to say I'm looking forward to the next movie, and I'm sad that we're going to be on The Return of the King. We are on the last movie. Movie. I'm equally excited as I am completely gutted that well, it's over. Our last episode will have to be something. We'll have one to go out with a bang. One moment. Oh, well, guys, thank you for listening. I know there's a few of you out there. I check our analytics, and you're out there. So <laughs> reach out. How, how did, did you find us? us? <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. He's like a review. I'm so flattered. Ooh, Were you just like Googling like Lord of the Rings podcasts and saw a couple of hotties on some Hobbit bodies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're listening to this, let us know what you think. We're really curious. Unless yeah. it's mean. Don't say yeah, it. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your opinion unless it's great. That's a good way to end. (laughs) Bye. All right. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.